1: And welcome to today's episode of Up For A Chat. We are so, so excited to welcome the beautiful Melissa Ambrosini to join us on the show today. Because Melissa brings to the show, I think she brings a certain lightness and love and magic with her message. And as somebody who has been a very close and dear friend of Jessica Ainsco, we are really honoured to be able to share this space with you mel because Jess is so close to all of us and we still feel her as if it was yesterday and it's so beautiful to be able to still stay so connected to her through you and through each of us so we just want to talk about everything that you know and everything that you've done with Jess and everything that you've created in your own life because from what I can see looking at your website and what I know about you is that there's a real synergy and a real connection between the two of you that really, when the two of you were together, it really creates so much potency and so much light in the in the world that we really want to be instrumental in making sure that that continues and that her legacy continues to live on beyond her passing through us and also obviously through you. So we thought there would be nothing more magical than to share what you're all about with all of our listeners so that we can continue to light up the lives of everybody on a day by day basis and it becomes a really magical journey of expansion and growth and self-love and and commitment to ourselves and to each other through each other so welcome to the show and thank you so much for being a part of something so special thank you so much for having me i'm so excited <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> All right, Melissa, I have a question for you because we've lost Cam a little bit.
1: You okay, honey?
2: You're good, good. Yeah.
1: So. It just brought a tear to my eye because it felt so... um. So special and so beautiful to have Mel here, as I was saying all of that, and it just brought a tear to my eye. So forgive my silence as I mop up my tears. <laughs> and it's not like you'd be silent, darling. I know. <laughs> That's why I thought I'd better say something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, what I, I'll start with the question. that how did you get on this journey? You know, you're young. You know, you're not like us Earth Mamas, as we're now called. <laughs> um, but you're very young, it's so. Tell us how your journey started. What were you like before your journey started? So let's go through the whole thing.
3: Well, I was completely different to what I am now only five years ago. I was a professional dancer and I danced at the Moulin Rouge in Paris. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And I um, acted on some of Australia's top TV shows Um, But it was always a slog. It was always a hard life. And although on the outside I looked like I had it all together, I was really dying on the inside. I was battling an eating disorder and depression and was really unhappy. And I ended up in hospital with a serious viral infection along with chronic fatigue, thyroid problems, um, low vitamin and mineral deficiencies and high mercury and all sorts of awesome things. <laughs> um, but I, when I was lying in hospital, I kind of had this profound realisation that this wasn't what I was meant to be doing in the world. And I reached out to Jess actually and I'd been introduced to her a few months beforehand Um, and I was just totally blown away by her beauty and courage to challenge the status quo and her bravery and her fearlessness and I reached out to her not really expecting a response and she wrote back immediately just weaving the page with her beautiful words of wisdom and inspiration. And I just said, you know, this is what's going on with me and I would love to um, have any advice or, you know, and she just poured her heart out to me and gave me some great advice on how I can heal myself naturally. And from that moment I thought, if she can do it, I can do it. And I was inspired by her that I completely changed my entire life. I quit what I was doing work-wise. I st- went and studied holistic nutrition and life coaching and meditation and yoga teacher training and and then I um, moved house and I kind of became a little bit of a hippie. I wore yoga pants and stopped shaving my armpits for a minute and <laughs> went totally organic, vegan and just was so inspired and I started doing yoga and meditation and reading all of these incredible books like Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson and Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle, and my entire life changed. And from then, Jess and I became best friends. So she was living in the Sunshine Coast at that time and I was actually in hospital in Brisbane because that's where my parents live. So I drove up to see her and um, she just welcomed me into her home and her life with such open ginormous arms and never let go Mm -hmm. and you know I was reflecting on it the other day and I was just thinking she is absolutely the reason why I am where I am today and we really understood each other you know because all of your friends kind of look at you like what the heck are you doing (laughs) you're not shaving your (laughs) armpits I shave my arms now well, you know
1: you know you know that things have changed when people start to say you've, you've come from another planet yeah yeah yeah
3: it's yeah. yeah.
1: that's, that's kind of when you know that yeah things have changed just a little bit no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, and I'm forcing quinoa down
3: everyone's throats and <laughs> like, what the heck is going over her? <laughs> and you know although that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. Laying in hospital and being so unwell, I wouldn't change it for the world because I was blessed to get my wake-up call at 23. And I'm so grateful because it has radically changed my entire life and put me on the path that I'm on now, which is the path that I'm meant to be on. And it wasn't rainbows and butterflies straight after that. You know, it was a lot of healing and a lot of um, self-exploration and I still am on that journey and I always will be. But I feel like it's now my responsibility to really help the younger women with self-love and confidence and looking after themselves and just living their wildest dreams because we all have the ability to do that. We just have this Mean Girl programming that says, well, we're not good enough and we're not pretty enough and we're not successful enough and we're not smart enough or skinny enough or whatever enough. And what happens is we really start to believe that. And you go, it's like this rabbit hole that you just go down. And I have loved working with women one-on-one and in my group programs, Get Your Glow On, and in all of my workshops to really help them find that confidence and love within themselves. It's just so beautiful to watch them really flourish.
0: You know, Jess said the same thing. As a young woman, she, she didn't love herself. She was mean to herself, which is why she drank and took drugs. And oh, yeah. And she used that whole thing as a, as a, as a face or as a, a mask for who she truly was because she didn't like who she thought she truly was. What do you think it is? I mean, did you have a beautiful upbringing? Is it something that happened? Where does it go that a young woman or young man decides that he's not good enough? If you look at an eight-year-old girl, she thinks she's sleeping beauty. Yeah. I mean, where do you think it changes and why? Well, I had a
3: beautiful upbringing. I really did. I had a lot of love in my family, and I'm still very close to my mum and dad. It wasn't until I went to the Moulin Rouge, actually, when I was 20, that the seed was planted for me. You know, I was looking at all of these goddess women that are just stunning, look in the mirror and call themselves fat and ugly and, you know, pinch the non-existent cellulite on their thighs. And because I was in a vulnerable state, that planted a seed within me and I was like, hang on, well, maybe I'm not pretty enough or good enough. And being in that entertainment industry, you're constantly being told no and... You know, you'd go to ten castings a day, um, and you get nose and nose, and oh no, your hair colour's not right, or this. And I took it. It takes someone to have a really thick skin to be in that industry, and hands down to anyone who's in it. But I just took it on board because I was vulnerable, and I believe that we're born into this world the most perfect, magnificent, pure embodiments of love. And what happens is, along the way, someone will tell us we're not smart enough. And then it's like this seed that is planted, or we get our heart broken by our first love. And then we get this seed planted that we're not lovable. And, or, you know, someone calls us fat or something like that. And then there's another seed. So all of these experiences that happen in our life plant these seeds and. When we're vulnerable, we take them on. But it really takes um, someone to be really confident and to have a strong self-love muscle to let that wash off their back, which is what I help women do is really flex their self-love muscles because it's just like any muscle gym and workout. You've got to flex it every single day. You've got to practice it moment to moment to moment. And the more and more we practice it, the stronger and stronger it gets. So that is why I just want to really help so many young girls. I just really want to get this message out there so that they can live a life beyond their wildest dreams.
0: Melissa, you said one thing interesting there. You talk about um, the vulnerability. So when I watch someone speak or when I'm with my girlfriends or if I'm sitting there at a dinner party and someone exposes that vulnerability. To me, that's almost the most exquisite, beautiful part often. So when you get to see the vulnerability, it's like you see them.
3: Mm.
0: Why is it in that vulnerable moment then that we are our absolute truth and yet we allow to see What, what happens in there? I could say to another young woman, I mean, I could say to my daughter, "You're fat," she'd tell me where to go. Yeah, yeah she yeah. thinks hilarious. Mm. She has this really strong inbuilt sense of self, mm. and I don't know. I'm not suggesting it was her upbringing or something, or whether she's just of that spirit. Mm. And I'm sure she has her moments. There's no doubt. And she's in the dance world, which is very competitive and very, and there's times where she sees that. But we talk about it a lot. What do you think would help a young woman? Because you don't want to get hard that you don't have vulnerability. Yeah, but how do you flex that muscle in those vulnerable moments? Do you think it's routines or rituals that we do constantly to build it so that when we are vulnerable, we can get back out of it? Or?
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Vulnerability makes people lean in. It, it allows you to really connect with each other. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things that we can experience with somebody. It makes you really open up. Um, The reason why people hold back in that vulnerability is because they feel exposed and they can then risk getting hurt. So I feel like when you are really flexing your self-love muscle, you can put yourself in those situations where you are vulnerable and exposed and whatever happens Doesn't affect you, and that's ultimately where we want to get Mm to—just being our truth, because our
0: vulnerability is our truth. Like what you said.
3: Do
0: you think for you, then, when you're in the dance world, there's no doubt. I mean, even in our age, you know, and Cindy especially being so much older, (laughs) (laughs)
1: every opportunity she gets, straight in there. You just, you just—it's hilarious. Yeah. To be
0: honest with you, we three have
1: our self doubt. Mm. We
0: sometimes don't think we're good enough. I I think the difference for us now in our forties and fifties is maybe we don't stay there as long, or we have a girlfriend. We've actually enrolled each other, probably without even actually saying it, have we? As our coach, so the minute one of us falls into that vulnerability, we honour and respect it. But then there's this little right
1: time to move on. Move on. (laughs) That's enough of that then enough of a pity
0: (laughs) party does your try matter
1: do
3: yeah uh, you know what I love that I love that what you said I just want to go back to what you say um, about you don't spend as long there anymore and that's what practicing self love moment to moment helps you get better and better at Mm -hmm. so I remember I used to want to sit in a pity party and suffer for weeks, months and it gets less and less and maybe it's Maybe sometimes it's a day if I'm feeling really crappy or, you know, it's like an hour or 10 minutes or like even a few moments and I'm like, hang on a minute, snap out of this. Or like you, I have my husband who will kind of be my mirror and go, hang on, can you see what's happening right now?
0: Can you see me? Can I just say anyone would love your husband (laughs) to be their mirror. (laughs) That would Uh snap you in an instant. Oh, my goodness.
2: He's, He's beautiful. Amazing. Actually, yeah. now that we're talking, You're hilarious. About, <laughs> yeah. Now that we're talking about your husband, I want you to tell um, our listeners about your wedding mm. because you like. And I think this is what we do. We think there's this stereotyping, you know. There's the stereotyping of the wedding, and actually, I was having a conversation with someone this morning about it, and we were talking about um, back in the you know 1850s, there were slaves. And, you know, we were, our mind was numbed and everything like that. And they went, oh, thank goodness we live in a new age. And I went, I don't think it's any different. I'm sorry. But from the day we become pregnant with that newborn and all the stereotyping that we have to do to the wedding, to then the next pregnancy, everybody thinks that we should be doing the same thing. And what I love about you is how differently you did your wedding. Mm -hmm. Would you like to explain why?
3: Yeah, I last April
0: and before you say you got married, (laughs) were you in? Had you healed yourself in order to attract him?
3: Oh (laughs) shit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is absolutely no way I would have been able to call him in if I wasn't overflowing with love. Love that. Mm, awesome. Absolutely no way. And he was the same. And we actually had very similar stories. At the exact same time, he was really sick in hospital. He had meningitis and fib- fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and chronic fatigue, and he had all sorts of things. So we were sick at the same time. We both did a lot of healing. And we believe that we, and we've known each other for years as well. Mm-hmm. And we came together, and it was um, just magic. And we got married six months later,
0: April the what?
3: April nineteenth. So almost a year. Mm-hmm. Yay! Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you know, we just knew that. I I've never been one to kind of follow. The rules. Um, And, I, you know, we kind of just sat down and we got married on his parents' property in the Noosa hinterlands and we just did it our way. You know, we had one of our best friends marry us um, and we had a drummer walk Nick down the aisle first with all of his party. So him and his party entered with a drummer and then I walked down with um, Nick's son, now my stepson, and my dad and... We had a beautiful ceremony, and then um, I just did it so different. There was no um, traditionalness about it <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and I, I got a lot of different things from the Hindu um, tradition. So I had one beautiful exercise where I picked five women whose marriages I admired, and they came up to me, and I saw this at an Indian wedding. And I, they came up to me one at a time and they whispered the secrets to a happy marriage in my ear. So I had, like, my mom and my my mother-in-law and my nonna, who doesn't really speak much English, and then I had two friends and my sister-in-law um, just whisper the most magical things in my ears. And I was, like, a mess. The tears were flowing. It was just so beautiful. Uh, it was really, really beautiful. Um it was an alcohol-free wedding, it was all organic, we had a fire dancer. Wait, let's just go
2: back to alcohol-free, I don't want yes. anyone to miss this. Because mm-hmm. it's unique, isn't it? it? It is very unique, mm. and when you told me this, I went mean, well done, mm. because everybody expects to get pissed at a party, especially a And you just said no alcohol and I I want to commend you on that. I just think that was amazing and the fact that then you then went further and and nourished the people that came to celebrate your wedding with beautiful foods. Yeah.
3: Everything was organic and gluten-free, dairy-free and sugar-free. We had a beautiful raw dessert bar. Our wedding cake was a raw chocolate and cherry cake and you know, everyone got coconuts with cool, funky straws on arrival, and we had a kombucha bar, we had a smoothie bar, we had an organic herbal tea station. It oh, people... sounds blissful to me. It was amazing. Oh. And the reason why we chose not to do the alcohol, because Nick and I, neither of us drink. And that was a choice I made after I was really sick, and I, I just stopped because I was so unwell that I needed to heal myself. <sighs> Um, And the first three months was incredibly hard because I was a party girl. Um, Then I just got so used to it that I was like, oh, it doesn't even bother me anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, we just wanted to offer everyone a really different experience. And the day was about a celebration of Nick and I finding each other again in this lifetime. And we wanted it to be all about love. We called it the Love Fest. And we just wanted it to be all about love and celebrating our love. So it was it was so beautiful. And, and there was a few people that were a bit scared about coming to a wedding, a dry wedding. There was a few, I must admit. But, you know, the messages and the emails that we got afterward were, like, so heart-opening from people who, you know, aren't really even on this spiritual path were just like, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Mm. Like, you could feel the love. And these people don't even say this type of stuff. Mm. So it was so beautiful for us to look at that. And, yeah, it's just been amazing. And I love re-watching the video and removing it all the time. Mm. It's beautiful.
0: Mm. Tell me, do you, if I was to say to you now, give me an example of your day pre twenty. And now, give me an example of your day as you are now. Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: pre 20.
0: Let's say a, a weekend.
1: Actually. Oh, God. Yeah, go on. Okay. Friday night specifically, just. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, it was, you know, I lived for the weekend. That was my savior. It was like all week, it was about where we we're going to go what drugs we were going to get and how much alcohol we were going to drink and what outfit I was going to wear. And it would come Friday night and it was just, you know, out partying all night. Saturday was recovery on Saturday night and Sunday it was recovery all day. And it was just like laying around, wasting your life, eating mm. God knows what, McDonald's, KFC, all those sorts of disgusting things. Um... And feeling incredibly empty, really, really empty and lonely and miserable. And you just lived for that for the weekend and it was just a horrible feeling. Now my life couldn't be more different. You know, um, every day I wake up and the first thing I say to my husband is, what are three things you're grateful for? And he says three things he's grateful for. Usually, you, usually don't you there. <laughs> Um, and then I do the same. And our morning is always started with a meditation and yoga. We practice TM meditation, so we do we meditate twice a day, um, 20 minutes. We do yoga, or I'll go for a walk, or I'll go to a bar class. And then weeks that we have our little man is very different to weeks we don't have him. So the weeks that we do have him, it's about getting him ready and ready for school and things like that and then I start my work day about eight thirty till twelve. It's about writing and creating and working on whatever project we're currently working on to release. Um and then lunch and then afternoons more working. I always stop for an afternoon meditation every single day. It's in my calendar and I do not miss it. Um and then if if I have time I'd love to go for another walk if Around the park or something like that, and then
0: dinner, and
3: we're in bed pretty early. Um,
0: I would go to bed pretty early. Yeah, you.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't help yourself, love. She just, you, you know, she's always going to put
2: it in me. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: anyway. But uh, and no, I don't know if you're going to feeling the same here, kids. But this sounds so idyllic. So magical and I'm sure many women listening to this would be saying, Oh, it would be amazing, but life is is full. We choose that obviously, and then there's the madness of life, and sometimes we get onto this treadmill that we just feel we cannot get off. What would your advice be to maybe an older version of you? Or meaning women like us mm-hmm. and you? What is your (laughs) what is um, (laughs) philosophy around the treadmill of life? Mm.
3: My first piece of advice would be know deep within your heart that you have a choice, and that you are constantly making choices every single day. I remember when I was feeling so depressed, I felt like it, it was out of my my decision. Like I couldn't, I didn't have the choice. Because I was suffering, but when you really realize that you are making the choices every single day to live your highest self as your highest self, it's really quite empowering, but it can also be quite confronting because then we have to take responsibility for the mess that's in front of us if there's a mess. Um, So knowing that you have the power and you have the choice. um, I also like to remind people that our true being is love and everything you can do in your life can be done
0: out of love or out of fear
3: and me and my before my um, meltdown as I like to call it I did everything out of fear I was working out of fear just to make money I was eating out of fear of getting fat I was exercising out of fear to stay skinny I was um, had relationships out of fear just because I didn't want to be alone. That was out of fear, just, again, didn't want to be alone, didn't want to be with myself. But when I realized that you can do everything in your life from a place of love, it's really quite empowering. And everything, I had to retrain and relearn that, that you can move out of love. You can move because you love the way it makes your body feel. You can eat nourishing, beautiful foods because you love the way it makes you feel. You can have relationships with people that inspire you. You can have a relationship that you actually love and want to be in and do work that inspires you and that loves you. And we, you know, we are all doing work that we love, but there's so many people out there that don't realize that they can have that too, that they just have a job just to make ends meet and to get that regular paycheck. But that's not what you're here for. You're here to, everyone is unique and everyone is beautiful and everyone has a special uniqueness that we need to share with the world. And however you do that, whether it's through art or aromatherapy or nutrition or whatever it is, it's our sacred duty
2: to share that with the world. And I think also, Kim, with that question, is that look at what Melissa did. You know, you did turn your life around. You went from, like you said, from fear to love. But if someone was to look at your life five years ago and look at your life now, they would go, wow, isn't she lucky? Mm. And that's the thing is they all think it's about, oh, they're so lucky, but it's not got anything to do with luck. It's all about, first of all, having a clear vision of what you want, then doing the action steps that you need in order to do that, yeah. having gratitude, meditating, and you know you have all the steps that um, philosophers for the whole of existence have said to do, mm. and basically that's what you did. Yeah. So when I wrote a question. How has your focus changed from when you started, you know, Melissa Ambrosini, you know, wanting to get out there and change what's happening to our young people as well as older women? you know, like all types, how's your focus changed? Because I believe it has changed, hasn't it? So mm-hmm. where were you and where are you now in your focus as far as helping?
3: Well, it kind of started more um, one-on-one coaching with a lot of women and it was really around the, the health and the mind, stuff like that, that sort of area. Because I realized that that was a great entry point. If you get people thinking about nourishing foods, they start to think about nourishing thoughts and nourishing work and nourishing relationships. So it's an amazing place to start. But over the past, I've been doing this now for almost six years. And over the past six years, it's really about helping women become a fabulously healthy and bursting with love area of their life. I want to help women live their wildest dreams. And like you said, it's not about being blessed or lucky. We are all blessed and we are all lucky and I'm no more special than anybody else and no one else is more special than me. I just had the balls to go, you know what, this isn't good enough. And like Jess and like you guys, we're like, no, let's just do it. Let's go out and live our best life. And um, we all have the ability to do that. And it does kind of um, grate me a little bit when people say, oh, you're so lucky or, or I'm blessed or this. And I'm like, no, 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 I've worked my buns off. Tight. Like every day, every day I show up to my meditation cushion, every single day, even when I don't want to, even when I, you know, I want to go there or I go there kicking and screaming, you know, and that's when my husband's like, you get your butt there. You know, so it's really important to keep showing up every single day for you, not for anybody else. When you take on this path of love and your true self, it's just about saying yes to you. That's all it is. And for so many years, I said yes to everybody else and no to me and kept on suppressing and denying my truth. But it just got to a point where I was just like, I'm over it. I'm over living like
1: this. You know, it's an interesting point that you raise, and everybody, please forgive my throat being so croaky. It is me. It's Karen. It's not a 0055 number. <laughs> 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 you know, when you raise the point of saying that you had to just, you had to come back to yourself, you had to put yourself first, you had to say yes to yourself instead of saying yes to everybody else. I think that that's very much a human instinct for survival that kicks in at only certain points in a person's life where they get to the point where, and I use the term, where they're ready to break up with the way that life used to be Mm. because they're in a position where they realise that it doesn't serve them anymore and Mm. to Mm. be, you know, and and we're so, I think we're a bit mixed up and I'm really keen to hear your take on this, particularly for the younger girls. But I think we're so enamored and so keen to make a difference and make the world a better place and to be of service. I think sometimes we do that. Well, not sometimes, but I think largely what we do is we do it at the detriment of ourselves. Mm. So we're of service to everybody else, but we're not of service to ourselves because to be of service to everybody else is great and it keeps me very distracted from being of service to myself. So, whenever I'm worrying about what everybody else is doing, then I don't have to look and see what's going on inside of my own two ears or inside of my own skin, because that's a really big job. That's going to be confronting. That's going to take me down the path I may not necessarily have the resources or the tools to cope with. So, instead of me doing that, let me be of service to everybody else. But in the meantime, you know, the body in and of itself crashes and burns. And then, you know, sometimes it's, it's too late. It's, it's, it's an interesting perspective, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that whole being of service to self and being of service to others and how, you know, what you think balance looks like.
3: Yeah. For, for, you know, that. It's a really good point, and I have a lot of mamas say this to me. And, you know, I love that analogy when you're in an airplane and you've got to put your air mask on before you help the child next to you. And that's the same with self-love and being of service. You fill yourself up first before you can truly help anyone else. Otherwise, you know, it's like a cup of tea. If the cup of tea is only half full, you don't have much to give around. But if your cup of tea is overflowing, you've got heaps to give around to people around you. And that was something that I really had to unlearn. You know, I watched my mum all my life just give and give and give and people please and put everyone else first and it really ran her into the ground um so i had to really unlearn that and find a nice balance of filling self up first and then being able to give to somebody else i know that if i'm not full i am not the best wife the best stepmom the best friend or the best boss, or the work colleague. I'm the shitty, half-assed version of Melissa. And no one around that. I'm cranky, and I'm tired. No one wants to be around that, and no one deserves to be around that. So that's why with my daily rituals like meditation and yoga, or just connecting with nature for 15 minutes, or going for a walk or diving in the ocean, or just feeling the sun on my face, all it takes is, 15 minutes to fill me back up and then I can show up to everybody as the full overflowing version of Melissa. And it's a daily, daily thing that we have to do. And if you let one day slide, then you let the next day, then you let the next day slide, and by the end of the week, you're an emotional wreck on the floor in tears. <laughs> so it's, it's a matter of really coming back and committing to self. Well, I see, you
0: know, most of us, are on good, you know, when we're on good days, that's easy.
3: Yeah. You know, like
0: you kind of say you're in the flow of that and you're in respect with that. But what about you get your heart broken or you just had news that one of your best friends has just passed away mm. or your business has just lost something that you had no control over? Mm. What do you do on those days?
3: those things are always going to happen as well. You know, there's always going to be different incidences that happen in life. And what happens is um, we get um, stronger at dealing with them, but the best thing to do is to feel, to really feel what your emotions are telling you, or whatever's going on, um, and allow yourself to feel it and don't judge yourself. You know, I have this... Um, thing in my, on my website called the pity party dance off so it's whenever something happens to you whether it's um, a heartbreak or something like that allow yourself to feel it mm. allow yourself to really grieve to get angry to smash a pillow to do whatever you've got to do but give yourself a time frame as well you know allow yourself whether it's a whole day or whether it's a month but then give yourself a month and or a week or whatever and say, right, okay, I'm ready to take the next step forward. And then that's when you create Crank beyond saying you dance your butt off. <laughs> so it's a, that's where the pity party dance off comes from. So, you know, you allow I like yourself. That. It's, I, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty good. I like it. I it's like pretty it. good. Sometimes, you know, I'll be like, get an email and I'll be really peeved and then I'm like, angry and then I'm like, okay screaming and like punching the air and then I'm like right Beyonce you're on and I just dance and it completely changes your biochemistry.
1: I love well, that. Well,
0: we must have one of those. Yeah okay so we have a little rituals amongst us earth Mummers that at five o'clock every day our clocks all go off with an alarm that we have to laugh at. More <laughs> oh, often oh, than yes. not we are already laughing aren't we? That is I, I so show true. I showed Karen the texture that it all came <sighs> <laughs> well, it was a sad it was actually on monday and it was a very sad day for all of us on that particular monday on on um, beautiful jess's private ceremony but at five o'clock i felt the vibration mm-hmm. in my phone and we had just told a funny story about
1: jess oh, yeah. and it was like uh, wasn't that kids, it, it was, was like, perfect it was perfect timing <laughs>
0: even in moments of despair, mm. there is still hopefully an opportunity to see something that might make you smile. Absolutely. And, you know,
2: one of the things that we've talked about in another podcast is that you're going to have to get over it sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, have, you need to make a choice mm-hmm. and, you know, don't let it for the next 10 years. Say, so, right, well, like you said, a week and get
0: Beyonce on. I love
2: it. <laughs> You know, and, and say, well, this is it. I, I have to move on. I
0: have yeah. to... Have to. Jacqueline said it too, didn't she? our yeah. beautiful 90-year-old French psychologist. Mm. And, you know, for the little things, we might give ourselves a day, you know, or a week or a month, like you say. But one thing she said to me when I felt my life was completely shattered... And we had lost so much, and including my marriage, and including my grandmother had passed, and including losing all our money. Like they were biggies. She said something so profound, which maybe not profound, but it was profound in that moment of sitting on my bathroom floor, mm-hmm. was sweetheart in her beautiful French accent. <laughs> She said, My darling, this is just the ebb and flow of life. Mm -hmm. And what I suggest you do is make no decisions when you're feeling this emotional. Oh, yeah. So, therefore, what if yourself and allowed yourself the next four seasons, allow the winter of this pain, allow the summer, the spring, and the fall of this pain? And then, when you come up for ear, then make some decisions. And it was the best advice because if you'd said to me give it a year, I don't know if it would have had the same impact. Mm. But when she said go through the four seasons because each of us are different people through the four seasons and different things affect us through the different seasons and we eat differently in the seasons and we probably exercise differently. And I just thought it was such a beautiful way of looking at maybe the big, the big things that affect us mm-hmm. um, and particularly in loss. Mm. Um, around money or friendships or partners or family members you know every for that whole year you've got anniversaries all the time that you're constantly thinking this time last year or you know on this day a year ago i remember we were doing this and she was so right to say yourself the whole year and allow mm. the emotions and the feelings but her whole thing was stay on the track stay on the park keep moving don't stop just keep moving yeah
3: and just put one foot in front of the other I mean that's what I've been telling myself through this whole process is in, in maybe I only put one foot today and I've been so incredibly gentle with myself over this past couple past week mm-hmm. and it's been really helpful I haven't you know, been like, all right, you've got to get up and go and do this. I've just been like, okay, if today you feel like putting half a step forward, that's perfect. Or even if you just feel like standing still right now, that's also perfect. But we do have to face in that direction and there's no turning around. We're just going to keep facing in that direction. And when you're ready, the steps will become more fluid and you'll just get faster and faster. And it's, it's a process.
2: I remember getting home, uh, I think it was on the afternoon after the passing of Jess, and my my beautiful daughters had come home, one from Perth and one from the Gold Coast, just to be with me for the weekend because I was home alone. And then they left, actually it was the Tuesday because my one, my Perth daughter went on Monday night, and then uh, my Gold Coast daughter, she left on the, the Tuesday. And I remember walking into the house after I'd had um, I had a meeting with Kim and I had a couple other things happening. And I walked into the house and I just felt, just, what, what, what's this all about? What, you know, I was just so low and just wanted to cry my eyes out. And I could have stayed there. Mm. But I went, no, I'm not going to stay here because my girls aren't coming home. My husband's not home. Um, I, you know, I can't run from this. So I made the decision. To do some things around the house, just mm. some easy things around the house, and then from doing the house, my mood lifted, yeah. and then from my mood lifting, I went, well, you know, maybe I can do a little bit more, and I think that's the most important thing: is mm. is the movement. Yeah, like it is good to have downtime, but I also think when you're in a space like that, don't stay and dwell in it, mm. but move forward.
3: Mm. And,
2: yeah. So I, I, I just that's what I believe. I believe that that's what. Yeah. It's the best thing. That's why yeah. Beyonce is so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get that one, and oh, I'm going I'm to so start doing good. it. Yeah. And I have to tell you, you know, my daughters—they um, got to meet you um, through dinners that we've had together, and they're young girls who are really influenced by you. And what a beautiful influence for them! And they've done your meditations. I see my daughters out on the waterfront every morning for 10 minutes doing your meditations Mm. so it's been really you know like for me to reach our young mm -hmm. and um as what i believe we need to get them at 15 oh yeah we need to we need to get them before but at 15 they're really influential Mm -hmm. you know they're influenced very easily and if if we can i was thinking get jess's book and maybe your book too with a um aromatherapy skincare self-care oh yoga mat in the curriculum though in the curriculum of schools with a a, you know like a workbook of Mm. some sort you young girls getting to that age group we may help those ones Mm. that are you know like i hear about suicides with these young girls and i think Life's not that bad. I know. It's actually going to be really fun. I know. And you hear these young girls that are committing suicide. Or, yeah, eating disorders. Eating disorders and cutting um, mm. everything. And if we can get them on track, then the world will be a better place and there will be more people that will be happy in what they're doing because at the moment you're right. There's just not that mm. many happy in what they're doing.
3: Imagine if there was a class at school, in high school, on titled self-love. And another one, meditation. And another one, you know, yoga. And I've done a fair few talks at a couple of all-girls high schools in Sydney, which have been amazing. And I cannot wait to go back to my own high school and when my book is out in January this coming year and just hand the book to every single girl there. Like I can't wait to be able to do that. Um, But it's just so powerful watching them you know they're so they're like sponges still at that age and they just like all of these little light bulbs
0: going off in their head you know it's important too Um, I think what's hard for mamas is to watch their daughters go into that space or their sons it'd be so nice if there were some young men out Mm. there trailblazing the way you young women have. And let's hope that that gets inspired to be, and maybe our sportsmen in a way Mm. are those kind of role models. And that's what I love about someone like Djokovic who has a love of food and and rituals and things like that. So if we can get more of those kind of... And now um,
2: Ali Day. You know, Ali Day has
0: moved completely from,
2: you know, he's a young Ironman. He's moved completely from eating really bad foods and not looking after his body in the way it should be looked after as an exerciser to now going very much eating the right foods. He's actually going to be on Pete Evans' paleo oh, way because yeah. he turned his life around in 12 months from being at the –
0: couldn't even lift his head anymore to winning the Ironman. Yeah. So they're out there. there, there which but, is but, kind of, but what I think and what it was where I was going with it is that us mamas. We might say it a lot to our children and we might be, you know, trying to be that role model of that. Um, But the reality is, and it's understandable and natural that our children may not want to hear it from us. Mm Yeah. So why I think what you're doing is so important is that for us mamas, we might say, hey, listen, honey, I just heard about this woman, Melissa Ambrosini, she seems right up your alley um, just tell me what you think about it because mm. my girlfriend, so-and-so's daughter is really struggling. Could you listen to it yep. and let me know what you think? Mm. And Because the hard thing for us mums is we want to go, oh, for God, wake up, you're stunning. Yeah. You, know, you are so beautiful. But, you know, often the reflection of that is because they've heard you standing there saying, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm wrinkly, I'm not good enough. Mm. So what I think you're providing and what you and Jess and the Amanda Rootses and Rachel McDonalds and all of you beautiful earth angels and maybe from us and our perspective, which we've been doing this all throughout our lives, there's a way that we can each tap together holistically, synergistically and impact all angles you know like moms look up to you yeah I've, I've talked at schools and had 16 year olds say that I've influenced them it's so humbling and so beautiful and I don't I think what you said at the beginning was so poignant that it's not that we think you have to go out there and start a blog or write a book or or do anything it's just stepping out into your magnificence absolutely and just being the mama that people don't want to see as cranky and ugly or if you are, Create, like we did, Is the, all we have is the apology ritual. Some days I am, uh, you're sometimes too in it to stop yourself. You trip over <laughs> yourself and you're in it and you've just sworn or you've just told them to just leave you alone and you're cranky and it's not actually them that you're mm. cranky at. It's its actually a reflection of what's going on inside. So having those little um, hooks and anchors to pull yourself back and being okay to say sorry to others, mm. I think... Where I wanted to go with that is is please keep going. Please keep being the trailblazer that you are for our beautiful younger women. And then the women like us, maybe that are older than them, can also be the backup of that or vice versa. You younger ones become the backup of future generations for our age to go, there is hope. So what I want to ask you, my darling, how have you coped with Jess's loss? I mean, cope is not a great word. How have you forged forward? And what would be your number one, two, or three um, self-care technique? I know you just said before you've been gentle on yourself, mm-hmm. but some of some people in the moment they can't go away for a week and do that. What would you recommend? And what have you done for you and what did Jess mean to you?
3: Ah, oh, so many good questions. <laughs> the most Powerful thing I've done is been present and just continued to allow myself to feel whatever it is I'm feeling in that moment um, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. But it has absolutely brought me to my knees many, many, many times. But I just have allowed myself to feel fully be vulnerable. Like no protecting. I've just been in a parking lot and if I felt to cry, I'd cry or if I've been in a shop, I've, you know, I've just been really honest with myself and I haven't ever been dishonest with myself ever. So it's been a really powerful experience for me um, and just allowing my and not and not uh, sugarcoating it as well. You know, if I if I see someone and they're like, "How are you?" You know, I have just been like, "I'm okay." Like, I'm not going to pretend to be okay and be brave or be strong when I'm not feeling that. I'm just going to be honest. So it's taught me once again. She is my biggest inspiration, and once again, she teaches me my biggest lessons. Mm-hmm. Always. And it's so ironic that she has. Always. And even now. Even now. It. Still to this day, <laughs> she's teaching me my biggest lessons and something that I keep, you know, because there's been moments where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to close my laptop and run away. But I'm connected back to, you know, what would Jess want me to do? What would she want me to do in this moment? And how would she react? In this moment has been really helpful. And I have been so, um, to have been able to have the space to just be and been able to push back things and just allow myself to be um, for a good two weeks. I have that, which is amazing. So if you don't have that space, I guess the best thing that you can keep doing is just checking in, and just being honest and present and truthful with how you're feeling, and just always coming back to you. Okay, you know, alright. I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, or I'm feeling quite sad. Just taking a moment for you and just being. Don't push it down because I think when we push, push, push down, it's only going to explode like a volcano Um, so just allowing yourself to feel every emotion and you will you'll feel everything come up and it's you know it makes me feel alive as well at the same time although it's quite hard
1: I think there's something really profound about when somebody close does pass away I think that there's like the ripple effect the impact that they have my sister always said we die for each other and I never really understood what that meant until I lost so many people, and then I started to understand that actually the, the the massive impact that it has when people close to us pass away can't be ignored. Like it can't, you can't pretend it's not happening. And so when you do do that, as you say, Mel, and you actually do just sit in the pain of it, you do just sit with whatever's there, then you get to see the message, if you like, that kind of was their parting message or their parting desire for us Mm
3: -hmm. in a
1: way that really has the only, it's the only way that that level of transformation can actually occur is with something so huge and so big and so painful and so massive in a person's life as to lose someone that they love. You know, you you wouldn't get the message otherwise, I, I guess, you know, or we wouldn't get it in the context of it being life-changing rather than just changing a mindset for a short space of time.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think,
1: Karen, um,
2: I think you have to be really...
1: What was that, Cindy? I missed that bit, sorry. Sorry, I
2: don't think many people see it that way. I I actually think you have to try and help people see it that way. And often it's in hindsight, of course, that you actually see it. And, you know, if you'd said to me that, um, the death of my mum and sister were something that was I don't know beneficial. I just would have said no, it's not. The mm. two most important people in my life, or well, one of the two most important, two of the two most important people in my life. Oh yeah, King's looking at me as though, well, what am I, Ham Sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> so I changed. No, I have a lot of important people in my life, but they were two very key people in my life. But in hindsight, they gave me the greatest gift of all. Mm. So I think we have to remind people that in in death there are so many lessons to be learned and we don't know what they might be, but if we look out for them, they actually give us the greatest gifts of all. Birth and death. You know, yeah. we come in one way and we go out the other way. And yeah. you know, Kim and I were at the passing of Jets and it was a gift, wasn't it, Kim?
3: Yeah.
2: It, and I hate to say that, but it was. It was uh, like it, it's bringing me to tears now. But it wasn't about it wasn't about the sadness of it. It was about what she showed us: mm-hmm. her strength, her peacefulness, her dignity, her, dignity, grace. her grace. I don't know. There was just and a presence in the room that was love. Was. Unconditional love, Um, and she spoke through us all because we would say things and we didn't know why we said it. We would just say something, and Mm -hmm. and I go, I look at Kim and go, Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Something just made me say that, and the vet was the same. And so, you know, it's um, I think definitely really wonderful gift that we are given to teach us lessons. And you being so young, Melissa, you know you probably haven't been through a lot of this mm-hmm. but as we do get older we go through more and more and more and yeah I think I think we have to see it for more than they've just gone because Jess is around everywhere everywhere mm-hmm. like she's just blowing us all away mm-hmm. with the little things that we're feeling and, and getting from her and, and Her essence
3: is absolutely everywhere. I feel it all the time. I feel her laughing, you know, next to me, and I feel her, you know, in the clouds and in the beautiful sunrises and sunsets and the flowers, and it's just, yeah, it's taught me so much already um,
2: about life. So for that, I'm grateful. I remember Talon saying uh, that she always wanted to know what the lesson in her life was all about. You know, what was the lesson? Was it, was it you who said it more than Callum? I just remember we were all around. Mm. And you want to, it was you, wasn't it, who said this? Maybe it wasn't her lesson and maybe it was everybody else's lesson yeah. that she was teaching. Yeah. And I thought, you know, we always look for the lesson in life. We always go, oh, what's the lesson in
1: this? What am I meant to learn?
2: But maybe it's not about us. That was, it was, it was Karen. Ka- was it
1: you, Missy? Actually, no, I'm just I'm just trying to think back to that conversation. It was Talon. That was the first thing that he said when we sat down with him. Yeah. He said, um, you know, Jess was always looking for the lesson in everything, but as it turns out, she was everybody else's teacher mm-hmm. and she was teaching all of us the lessons.
3: She was an amazing teacher. I she know. still is. An amazing teacher.
2: And, you know, through social media, you know, I've seen a lot of positivity. Like yeah. you can hear people just oozing with, oh, my gosh, we are so blessed to have her and wasn't she beautiful? And, and then on the other flip side, you see some pretty nasty comments and I, I realise now, I don't even look, I, like if I see a nasty comment, I just go, well, that's what you see in you. That was not Jess. Mm. Oh, yeah, yes. No Jess. Mm. And for the people who saw the beauty in Jess, that's what they see in themselves. And I realise realize that now, so I'm not offended by what they're
1: saying because I realise they're just seeing what they see in themselves, as you always say, Karen. Nice you know? work, Cindy. I'm sitting here punching the air going, River, look at you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I do see that. Yeah, yeah, Melissa,
0: that's what... Everyone sees in you, my darling. Mm. The potential of our own innate beauty, the, the youthfulness, the, the glass half full, the, the actual ability to know that you have a power to influence in a positive way. And I don't think any of the work that any of us do is about helping others as such. I really don't think it's about helping others. It's about us being the example so that others can see the reflection of that in them. And um, if I was to ask you to wave a magic wand, what does the next 10 years, 20 years, what does the rest of your life look like?
2: Oh, oh I hope she's going to go longer than 20. Let's say the next 100.
3: 20, 100. 20,
0: yeah, 20, yeah. 20.
2: Yeah. the rest yeah. of
3: your life. Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. If I can live each day feeling full of love, and laughing at least a couple of times hysterically, <laughs> not just a little giggle, I'm talking about belly roars. <laughs> and I can put my head on my pillow at night and say, I have loved, I have been love, I have showed up as love, and I have laughed my pants off, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm gonna be pretty content. Yeah. And, you know, when I was setting my, um, at the start of the year, Nick and Leo and I were setting like little resolutions and mine was to belly laugh every day. And I just said, boys, this is what I want to do every day is belly laugh and so when we get into bed and if I have a belly laugh, they make sure I've belly laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's tickling or or something like that or, you know, something, I don't know, random. But it's just really beautiful because that's what it's all about. We can get so serious and life can become so hard and, like, we feel like we're pushing a cement truck up a hill and, you know, we can get, like, so um, stressed about our work and what we're doing in the world. And don't get me wrong, I do. I feel like that sometimes. But what matters is have I loved, am I being, and am I
0: giving love? That's all that matters.
1: Can I, can I keep her? Can I take her home? <laughs> yeah. Can we keep her? Can we, can we, can we? Oh, beautiful. I think we need to, I think we need to coat you in icing and pop you on top of a cake.
2: <laughs>
1: gluten-free icing absolutely <laughs> sugar-free dairy-free No colours, no additives preservatives <laughs>
3: then you can do it <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh bless this has been an amazing interview Mel honestly you're just you're just this little fountain of youth but also fountain of beauty and exuberance and love is your is, is your primary mode of operation and it's so obvious it's beautiful
3: thank you and i've heard so much about you beautiful women from jess i mean obviously i've known cindy but until i've just you know she just loved you both so much and i couldn't wait to meet you guys i really couldn't um, we've
1: had so much fun oh, well, <laughs> yeah. this has been awesome so we will Look so forward to chatting with you again and hearing about your book and everything that you're up to when it comes out and we're gonna help you start to make that a huge big um like have a real push into the schools and who knows, the three of us might to get together and we'll start working on that workbook.
2: And also, um mm. we need to let our listeners know so that where Melissa is. So yes where are you, how do we find you, um, Facebook, Instagram, everything. Let everybody know because I know the, girl, the minute my girls met you, they're on your Instagram, your Facebook, and, <laughs> and they follow you.
3: Beautiful. So. so my website's just Melissa Ambrosini, spelled out like that, ambrosini.com, and I have Facebook, Twitter, I have Instagram, I have Pinterest, I have Google+. LinkedIn.
0: No, I don't have LinkedIn. That's for the older ones. Yes. <laughs> um,
3: and I have Pinterest, all of those, and you can get all of those details on my website, but please come and connect and share and um, be inspired by the beautiful community of women that I have part of my tribe. You know, every time I write something, so many women just reach out and give their advice and their tools and their tips and tricks and it's so beautiful to watch just how you know everyone just leans in and helps that person so come and join in and say hi
1: beautiful okay so let's just spell your last name mel so it's melissa
3: ambrosin
1: com. awesome 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 all right so hopefully you guys have absolutely loved today's podcast it's been an absolute treat to share it with you my love so for everybody who's been listening to the show make sure that you go to our facebook page at all the W's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and leave your comments and your questions and anything that you'd like to mention or anything you'd like to talk about with mel leave them there on our facebook page and we'll make sure that they get across to her you can also make your comments on all the W's at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Um, you can leave all your comments there and we will always get back to you there as well. So join us here next week on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And, God, jeez, we love sharing the ride with you. You yeah. are the shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now. See you next week.